today I, I want to start a two-week series, and Pastor Jake's going to preach next week um, about uh, overflowing with thankfulness. But as I began to dig into thanksgiving and giving thanks and all that that goes into, um, what I think we really ought to spend our time talking about is harvest. What, what is it that God takes your thankfulness and does with it? Because I think we all know what thankfulness is, and we still need a sermon on that, and you're going to get it next week. But when we back up from that, what is the harvest that God's put in front of us? Is really the question we have to ask, because well, the scripture we're going to read today is so familiar if you've been in church for any amount of time. You've heard these verses, you've memorized these verses maybe, and even if you've never been in church, you've at least heard me talk about them uh, well, as long as you've been here. And what I want to do is if you're taking notes, if you grabbed a sheet or if you're on the YouVersion Bible app, either way, or if you're just taking notes in your pretty journal, um, however you're doing that, uh, I want to do it in a couple ways. I want to look at what Jesus' ministry did, what the disciples' ministry did. Then I want to look at the crowd. Then I want to talk about us. Okay? And I'm just right out of the bag here. That's where we're, we're headed. But I want you to listen carefully to what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35, just a couple of verses. And uh, I want you to put your thinking cap on. Did you ever do that when you were a kid? Anybody ever tell you that? When you like go to school as like an elementary kid, you're like, get your thinking cap out and put it on. Oh, you didn't put it on tight. You better screw it in, right? Like, so that's what I want you to do with me. So go ahead, channel your inner child. Some of you are like, I'm not doing that, bro. Yeah, you are. Do it right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Did you see all these large men that were here today? <laughs> just kidding. We're not like that most of the time. And uh, listen, to what, listen to what the Bible says here. This, this is Jesus uh, during his ministry. And verse 35 goes like this. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. There's a couple things that I think are incredibly important to us. See, we hear that and we go, got to work harder. I got to work harder. And the answer to that is, yes, you do. And I'm going to tell you that in just a little bit. But there's some things that I think we got to back out and we got to take some observations of the text. What, what is actually happening in this text here? What is Jesus trying to get across to you and me? And so I want to do it in a couple ways. So, so first of all, Jesus' ministry. When you look at Jesus' ministry, there, there's a few things that his ministry always had plenty of. If you're taking notes, these are your first two things. Uh, he always had plenty of crowds. There, there, there was really never a problem getting a crowd around Jesus. Now, when you study his three years of ministry, at the beginning they were there because they really, really liked him. 
And by the end of it, they were there because they really, really hated him. But there was always a crowd. The Bible talks frequently about Jesus retreating and getting away from the crowd. At times, he's pushing out in a boat because the crowd just presses in on him. There was always a crowd. That's going to become important in just a minute. But Jesus' ministry always had plenty of crowds. And what that did for Jesus is it produced, number two, plenty of compassion. I was just kind of struck by that, that the God of the universe, walking around with this mangy crowd, <laughs> the thing that came to his mind, let's just be real. If, if you and I were doing something and a crowd starts pressing on you, on one hand, we might, we might feel like that was fun. And on the other hand, we might think that was annoying. Right? Uh, where where would your mind run to? We, we typically don't run to the most noble of of places in our mind. But Jesus is clearly working. He's proclaiming the gospel, and he's healing people and solving sickness and doing all the things that only Jesus could do. And it says he was compassionate, compassionate to you to them. And so then we have to look at the crowd, right? The crowd. So Jesus' ministry had plenty of crowds and compassion. But, but I think we knew that. I think we knew that. But what about the crowd? The crowds had plenty of harassment. First one's harassment. And the second one is helplessness. Think about that. The crowd that was surrounding Jesus, if you... Uh, dig into the scripture and look around at all, all, the, all the different people that Jesus interacted with, most of the time the, the crowds were coming to Jesus to get something solved or to be entertained. They were always coming to him. They needed to be healed. They needed uh, something from him. And what Jesus saw was that they were harassed and that they were helpless. Harassed and helpless. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But in his seeing them harassed and helpless, here, here's what he said. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Okay, And, and, and we, we know that. We, we've read that. But think about what a harvest is. Okay, Most of the time we read that verse, and, and I was a youth pastor for 10 years before, before this, and and so we, I've talked about this a million times, and I've never actually talked about what is a harvest. It's really easy to read the Bible and just see the harvest is plentiful, laborers are few, I need to be a better laborer. But sometimes we've got to step back and, and ask ourselves, what exactly is a harvest? Because we read that verse and we go, I'm going to claim this harvest for Jesus. But what happens when you go to work tomorrow and you begin to claim that harvest for Jesus? What happens? Harassment. <laughs> right. So what I'm saying is maybe we need to go back and look. What was Jesus asking us to actually do? This isn't like a name it and claim it thing. Like I claim you for Jesus. Now you're, you're going to follow him. <laughs> Most of the time people are going to be like... <laughs> Sorry, bro. <laughs> no, I'm not. And uh, our experience in being witnesses for Christ 
don't match up to the ease of which we read that text. So there has to be more. The, the word harvest in Greek is, is a fun word. It's therismos. And what it basically means is reaping. Reaping. You've heard the verse. You reap what you sow. But here's the amazing part of the harvest that Jesus is telling his disciples about. He's looking at his disciples and saying the harvest is plentiful. But what is the harvest? Jesus is saying to you and to me, and he was to his disciples, I have already sowed seed. I have already put into the soil of the world, into the soil of your circle of influence, seed that has taken root, that has developed, and has sprouted. And all that has to happen is it has to be reaped. That's what Jesus is saying. It still sounds great. It still sounds awesome. But, but how many of you know that harvest is hard? Any real farmers in the house? Anybody grow up on a farm? No? Yes. Did you ever have to do a harvest? Was it really easy? It wasn't. Fascinating. <laughs> I'm, I, all of us city settlers are su- surprised by that. Okay? Because here's what happens. We read that and we say, God planted all this seed. And God has supplied all these people that he is saving and he is redeeming. And then we forget about the fact that the harvest part is hard. We, we, we just think that it's, it's going to happen. That, that I, I don't have any role or any part in reaping the harvest that God has, because his language here is really specific. He's telling us that there's a harvest that he planted, that he watered, and he has grown, but that you and I are going to reap. Really, really important for us to get into our heart and soul that harvest is hard. Because Jesus told us that we are the laborers. We are the hired help. If that offends you, I'm sorry. But that's a good thing. It's good news. The harvest is hard. Here's the other aspect of this that makes this very pressing. Okay, When when we hear harvest and we hear the laborers, what, what, what is also incumbent upon us to remember is that there are two harvests at the end of this life there's a harvest unto judgment and there's a harvest unto eternal life and every human being on the face of the earth will stand before the god of the universe and answer for which harvest they're going to be a part of you see because uh while god is love god is also just and so, so there are both sides. And so, so what I would say to you today, first of all, is are, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? You see, all religions don't lead to the same place. Not one of those religions would agree to that statement. Because all of them claim exclusivity. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. That's an exclusive statement. But it's also a very inclusive statement because he also said, uh, I desire that all should come to repentance. 
and the knowledge of Christ. And so the, the harvest is an important concept for us as Christians. Because when Jesus told us in Acts 1.8 that we were being left here to be his witnesses and that he was going to come on us with power to do that, we need to be uh, informed on what the power was going to do. The, the power, you weren't going to walk up to somebody and be like, boom, Holy Spirit. You know, like that's not the dynamite that we were talking about, right? What is the power? The power that God offers you is to be a part of being a laborer in the harvest. So as you are reaping the benefits of what God has sowed, that you would have the energy and the answers and the, and the ability to do what he's called you to do. And so, so as, as we talk about growing our church and as we talk about growing the capital C church and as we talk about all the fun things that preach, right, like pushing back the gates of hell and taking all square feet for heaven, you know, we, we preach all these fun things that sound great, but we, we can't forget that harvest is hard. That when God called you to labor, he was calling you to work. Now, parenthesis. Most of you who have listened to my preaching for any amount of time are like, oh, did he just say work? Okay. Hang on. I want to transition to the disciples now. Think, think about what's happening here. He, he looks at his disciples and he says to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Okay, so, so now we see that in the disciples' ministry, and if you go through the book of Acts, you'll see this play out to be true, that for the disciples, there was plenty of crowds. Plenty of crowds. But there were not enough workers. Why did he tell his disciples that? Business people in the room, we've got a problem. We've got all these people who need Jesus and not enough people to do it. Here's, here's, here's my problem with that. I look around this room and I say, we, we have... We have plenty of people to do it. When I, look around, when I look around the country at the Capital C Church, I think to myself, we have plenty of workers, but we don't have enough workers. Are you tracking? you smelling what I'm stepping in? All right? You with me? I'm kind of, I'm getting in your face in case you are wondering. He's looking at his disciples. He doesn't look at the crowd and say, hey, shape up. What's wrong with you people? We already know what's wrong with those people. Same thing that's wrong with you people, right? <laughs> we kind of forget that uh, it was God's grace that saved us, right? I could, I could go farther, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm going to keep everybody happy since it's picnic Sunday. And you're going to see me up close at the picnic Think about our church. Think about Redeemer City Church. You're a disciple of Christ. If you know the Lord, you're a disciple of Christ. And so there's, there's a couple things that I, that I think we have to look at and say, okay, so when he looked at his disciples, he gave them this problem. He said there's lots of people, there's lots of crowds that need Christ. I've already planted the seed. I've already grown it. They're ready to be reaped. But I need laborers. I need disciples 
who will go out and make disciples. That's what I need. And he tells him a couple things. He says, first, pray. Are you praying that God would give you the stamina and the energy and the answers to reap the harvest that is right in front of you? I'm not talking about the one for the person in front of you or behind you. I'm talking about you. God has put people in your life and said, the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. So the first question we have to ask is, am I laboring in the right way? And, and have I laid my life down so that those people can find Christ? See, the harvest is hard. There's, there's nothing easy about that. Who has God put in front of you that is ready and ripe. You know, when, when you think about uh, harvesting a crop, there comes a time when they're ripe. And God says there's ripe fruit everywhere. There's ripe harvest everywhere. Who around you is ripe for the harvest? Jesus told us elsewhere that all you got to do, he told his disciples again, all you got to do is look up and see that the fields are white unto harvest. And so what, what I'm saying to you is, is if, if you're not seeing a harvest in your life and you're not tired but joyful from the harvest in your life, I'm talking to me too right now, that something is wrong. Because what happens is the disciples spend this time with Jesus, then they watch him die, then they watch him rise again, and they go out and it completely changed them. It completely changed the way they chose to live. So what I'm saying to you is maybe there's some things that need to completely change about the way you and I live if we're going to be a part of this harvest that Jesus has called us to be a part of. And I know that that doesn't feel great, but if we're serious about what the Bible says and we trust the God of the Bible, we'll leave that in his hands. We'll do what he's called us to do. He says, pray first, then go. Pray first, then go. I had a pastor tell me uh, when I was young all the time that, careful what you pray for. If you pray for God to use you to reach people, you better be careful. He's going to use you. And I never understood what he meant. And then I started to pray that. And you're like, you know, you just start seeing people all day. All day, every day. And you're like, oh, I blew that one. Oh, I blew that one. Oh, I blew that one. And then you work with enough courage and you say something to that one. And they're like, sure, I'll come. You're like, whoa. Like, uh, it works. Why? Because it's his harvest. Now, all of that said, um, there's a huge part of this scripture that we can't miss that we just absolutely cannot miss. Let me, let me read 36 to 38 for you again. Here's what it says. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. 
Here's perhaps the greatest lesson that you can learn that will change the game for you in being a laborer in the harvest. This might be the most important thing you hear all day. You are the crowd. You are the crowd. What's so easy for you and I to do is to come to a scripture like this and go, man, yeah, those people, they're really messed up. They're really messed up. They're really harassed. They're really helpless. Man, like they, they just, they need, they need them some Jesus. And we forget perhaps the most important lesson in that. When if Jesus had looked at Peter in this moment, Peter would have thought to himself, man, I've got this all together. But what did we learn about Peter not too long after this? That Peter had nothing together. Here, here's the reality for you and me. When, when Jesus looks you in the eye, if you know him, it's because he's given you his righteousness, not because you've produced yours. Okay, so when, when we come to a scripture like this, we have to remind ourselves that we're the crowd, that we're the ones who have been harassed and are helpless. Every day of your life, when you walk out the front door, maybe not even when you walk out the front door. I got three kids. I get harassed and I'm helpless by, by 6 a.m. Amen? And, uh, or my wife is at least. And uh, maybe I'm part of why she's harassed and helpless. <laughs> I was sick all week. So she was like, man, I've, I've inherited a fourth child here. And uh, so the, the gospel is good news to those who don't know Christ. And the gospel is good news to those of us that do know Christ. We just came through the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. And one of the great things that they left us was the fact that we need the gospel as much as the lost. And so when Jesus says he saw the crowd, you need to put your name there. That Jesus saw you. One of the things that has rang true over all the years of ministry and my dad's a pastor and just growing up, is that the thing that levels the playing field is our sin. You just never graduate from being a sinner. You never graduate from being harassed and helpless in your sin. You see, sometimes the harassment doesn't even come from those uh, in our sphere of influence. Sometimes the harassment comes from the sin that's taken over our mind. I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you've got an addiction. Maybe you've got uh, uh, some other problem. Maybe you're, maybe you're just selfish like I am. But for every single one of us, there, there is something that has harassed you into not believing the gospel enough. Not trusting Christ enough. Maybe it's just your affluence. Maybe it's just the fact that you don't have needs Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. What, what, what is it that is keeping your eyes off of Jesus? I don't even remember one of you, I was having a conversation this week about how the fact that God tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus. Why is that so hard? Because I got money over here, or I got people over here, or I've got talent here. And God says, don't, like, none of that is where your eyes ought to be. When it comes to the harvest, we have to take our eyes off of our stuff. You see, it, it's not your stuff that's going to reach people for Christ. 
It's Christ that's going to reach people for Christ. And what he's called you to do is to be willing to go out into the harvest, which is plentiful, and labor. And labor. I can't do do all the laboring I need to do if I'm doing all the playing I want to do. I'm not saying playing is bad. I like to play. But what I'm saying is if we're all play and no labor, we've got some priorities wrong. You know, one of the things that we're passionate about here is not just having a bunch of events for you to come evangelize, but for you to be a good neighbor, but for you to evangelize where you live, where you work, where you play, because you know people that I'll never know. I know people that you'll never know, that you can't, that I can't reach, that you can't reach. And so what God is telling us is to go out into the harvest, which is plentiful, uh, but with the right mindset, that labor is hard, that harvest is hard, and that the way we interact with those people is knowing that we're part of the crowd too. You see, there's nothing about you and I that's better than that person except for the fact that we've been given Christ and we so badly want them to know him. That is the thing that drives us back into that place. We're the sheep. You know anything about sheep? Sheep are dumb. Sheep are messy. And sheep are incredibly anxious. Now, you might not admit to being dumb, but you might admit to the other two. Is your life a little messy? Is your life a little anxious? You've got to let your guard down here so you can be useful out there. God knows who you are. God knows who you are where I don't know who you are. God knows who you are where other people don't know who you are. And so as a church, what this gives us to do is to pray first. We have to pray. On our website, if you've ever gotten on it, it gives our kind of our values and it says we pray a lot. So we're going to pray again here in a second. But what are we praying for? He specifically says pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So what we're going to do here in a second is I just want to lead us in prayer, praying earnestly for laborers. First of all, that you would be a laborer, that you would take seriously the hard work of reaching the people in your circle of influence for Christ. Every one of you, there's somebody in your circle that needs Christ. There's people I know that need Christ. There's people in the circle of influence of this church right now that need Christ. And God's calling us to be a part of that. And he's also said he'd supply his power to do it. And so we want to pray for workers. And then we want to pray for a harvest. We, we talk about this a lot. You know, how's, how's Redeemer City Church going to grow? And we have grown. And as we're growing, what, what, what is that going to look like? Well, we want it to look like what Jesus said it was going to look like. That it would be a harvest. That it would be hard. That we would be dirty. 
and that we would be tired, but a holy kind of tired. You see, it's, it's lovely for us to come in here and enjoy worship music and, and enjoy our time in the Word, but sometimes we should be tired. Sometimes we should be uh, cut and beat up because harvest is hard. And so I'm just you can stay seated for a minute. I'm just going to take a minute and pray and ask God to bless this church. But not bless it with ease, but bless it with a harvest. And then I'm going to ask him to encourage you and strengthen you to labor. Fair enough? Won't you go, Lord, with me? Father, we are grateful for your word. We're grateful that it's clear and simple. And Father, we repent for the ways that we have not believed you and not trusted you. Father, collectively as your body, your house that you're building into a spiritual house, we recognize that there are things that we have fallen short in and that you have called us uh, to confess those things. So we confess our sins and ask that you would be faithful to forgive them. And Father, as we think about the words that you've given to us today, you told us to pray earnestly that you would send out laborers into your harvest. Father, Redeemer City Church is full of people who are laborers in your harvest. But Father, we also are very aware that we're the crowd and that we need you We need to taste and see that you are good (coughs) so that we can share your goodness with others. So, Father, first I pray for the one in this room that doesn't know you, that has never confessed you as Lord. No doubt in a room with this many people in it, there's somebody who's never bowed the knee, who's never crossed the line of faith. That Holy Spirit, you've been drawing, and we'd be remiss today to not give them an opportunity to cross the line of faith. If you don't know Christ today, uh, I don't know what you've heard about Him or about the way you come to Him, but the Bible makes it pretty simple that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that you will be saved. There's going to be some things that as you become a Christian that you're not going to like but that you need to trust. If that's you today, I would just encourage you to confess Jesus today. You could do it in some something like this where you just say, Father, I know I'm a sinner and that I'm in need of a Savior but I've tried it on my own. And I want to do it your way. I believe that you're calling me to yourself. And I confess Jesus as Lord of my life. 
and I believe in my heart that he is God. If you confessed that today, we would love to know. We want to be a part of this journey with you. So if you confess Jesus today, I I would like to encourage you to come and see me. I'm a little snotty today, so we'll... uh, we won't embrace, we'll embrace next week. But uh, if that was you, uh, would you just slip your hand up so that I can pray for you? Anyone today? Amen. Amen. For those of you who do know Christ, you still need the gospel. You still need Jesus as much today as you did when you met him. He chose to be seen as a father to you. And then he sent your big brother Jesus to pay the penalty that you ought to have paid. To bring you from death to life. To adopt you into the family of God that you would be a son or a daughter of the king, that you would be royalty. And so today, I want to just encourage you to praise him in your your heart and mind right now. Just praise him. And then as you praise him, I, I want to encourage you to begin to formulate in your mind and maybe even get out a piece of paper and start to put down the names of the harvest that God's put in front of you. Who Who are the people in your life What are the seeds that God has planted that are obvious, that are plentiful? God says they're not even few, they're plentiful. Who who in your life needs Christ? Who in your life needs to be in these chairs next week? That they might taste and see that the Lord is good. You've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Who can you have with you? One of the things I love about the the church in Acts is we see believers and unbelievers all gathering under the name of Jesus because there's something about that name. There's power in the name. Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you to pray and ask God that you would be able to, that His power would come on you to be able to set aside your selfishness, to set aside your idolatry, whatever it is, and that you would see clearly the harvest that is plentiful right in front of you. The Bible says pray earnestly that he would send laborers into the field. Father, as we stand before you today and we've thought critically as a church about the things that you've called us to do, as we go to a park here in just a minute and uh, celebrate your goodness together, I pray that you will remind us that there's people dying all around of us. They're like sheep without a shepherd. You are the good shepherd who lays his life down for his sheep. We're so thankful for your, your grace and mercy today. We're thankful that you've adopted us when we were unadoptable. And now, 
Holy Spirit, we pray earnestly that you would come on us with power to be your witnesses, that we would be co-laborers with Christ, that we would be on mission, that we would be disciples who make disciples, that we would see this room fill up with people who have passed from death to life because we were willing to be laborers in your harvest. That's what we pray for this church and for these people.